Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the Pursue God podcast. Today, we are taking a look at Jonah chapter two. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open up there. In fact, in just a moment, we're going to read it. I'm in the studio with Pastor Mark, Pastor Eric. Guys, here's what we're going to be talking about today as we get into chapter two of this four chapter book from the Old Testament. The truth is that some people can't look up until they hit absolute rock bottom, right? This is what we're going to find out happened to this guy named Jonah, the re- reluctant prophet from ancient Israel. God had called him to preach to the en- enemy city of Nineveh. We learned that last week. He ran in the opposite direction. Instead, he ends up getting caught up in a storm of his own making. He's thrown overboard into the raging sea. And we left off in chapter one where he gets swallowed up by a great fish, right? And today we're going to take a look at his prayer from the belly of the fish. By the way, the Bible doesn't say it's a whale, right? It says that it's a fish, Mm -hmm. but it's a perfect metaphor for hitting rock bottom in your life. And so we're going to, we're going to extract from Jonah chapter two, some steps, three steps for today. We're going to, we're going to talk about, that's why I've got you guys in here because you guys run our recovery podcast. And we're going to be talking today about, um, really three steps that Jonah models for us that we, we've, find in the first three steps of the 12 steps of AA, right guys? So we're going to be getting into all of this today. So this is great for anybody who feels like they've hit rock bottom in their life. And we're going to get into all of it. How do you pray to God when you're in a dark place, like Jonah was in the belly of the whale, in the belly of the, fl- of the fish? Mm-hmm. But before we get into any of it, guys, we've been what we've been doing for this Jonah series is we're reading the whole chapter. So people have context for it. So Mark, why don't we start with that? Let's read Jonah chapter two. It's just 10 short verses, and it's the, it's the prayer that Jonah prays from the belly of the whale, and it is in the NLT. Okay, starting in verse one. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. All right, now before we get into these three movements in his prayer that we're going to sort of mark out for people, and again, this is helpful for anyone who feels like they've hit rock bottom in their life. You might be listening to this podcast because you find yourself there and you can relate to this dark place that Jonah is in. Guys, maybe you could just real briefly share your stories. What was what did rock bottom look like for you? Because then we're going to be sort of mapping. I think you guys have both experienced what Jonah experienced in a certain way, right? What did it look like for you 
So that'll give us some context for the solution that we're going to be talking about throughout this episode. Yeah, I often think of the story of Jonah and how it compares to my own life when, you know, from an early age, um, I loved God. Uh, I knew the gospel. I was baptized at 10 years old in a Christian church. Um, but as I, you know, got a little bit older in my teenage years, I, you know, grew up in a place where I didn't really fit in with everyone else. I wasn't the predominant religion as everyone else was. And so there was this pull to try to fit in with everyone else and to do what they're doing or to hang out with the the crowd of rebels. And so that was me. I fit in with those guys and naturally in my flesh, you know, wanted to be like them and wanted to be the center of attention, wanted to drown out my childhood sorrows and depressions and, you know, so many things that had happened in my life. And so I got caught up in partying and drinking and, and, uh, addiction and kind of ran from God, you know, not necessarily exactly like Jonah, but, but similarly, he, God was, I was trying to get as far away from him as I could, or, or, or at least subconsciously was doing that. And at the right time, God sent a storm in my life, you know, mm. consequences of the decisions that I was making mm. finally were catching up to me, you know, getting uh, in trouble with my parents, getting in trouble with the law, and and ultimately, you know, being disciplined to a point where, you know, going to jail and stuff. And so I, I think of my being swallowed up by the fish moment is that moment where I'm alone with God, you know, several times because of decisions that I'd made, you know, and um, with the chance for my eyes to be open to finally follow God. And I had hit rock bottom remembering being there, you know, remembering being there actually in, in a jail cell one time and all that was in there was a Bible, I think, left from another, another person. And I was in and out of church and stuff at that time, but finally I had this time to just sit and think about what was it that I believed, and I, if there's a power greater than me who I knew was God, the only God, the God of the universe, I should get to know him better. So I started opening this book and, and uh, started realizing that it was him and only him that could help me with my, my issues, my problems, my addiction, my habits, my sin. And so that was when I looked up and my, my, my life changed forever. And it's all because of the, the, to the glory of God. He caused the storm like a good father. He, he came to get me and disciplined me. And he got me to a place of desperation through some of my own decision-making, but God working that all together uh, got me to a place where I was finally humble enough and ready to hear him and follow him, go go his way instead of my own. So that's my story in a general sense. That's a cool. That is a Jonah story, I, and we'll be unpacking that a little bit more. The solution to that, because people are probably saying, "How? How did you get? How did you go from rock bottom to the place where you are now, where you're following, where you're following God? You're actually a pastor. You're running. You're helping other people." who have similar stories, it's it's really a story of inspiration. So we'll get back to that. Mark, what about for you? What what did rock bottom look like for you, and how'd you get there? Yeah, I mean, I have a, a little bit similar 
type of story as as, as Eric, although my my addiction kind of took took a different form. Um, I really got caught up into sexual addiction as I, be, you know, grew into adulthood and, um, you know, really kept it under wraps for a long time, you know, ended up getting married and, you know, I, I had a family and, and it, it wasn't until, you know, I, I was running from God my whole life, really, um, not realizing it, but um, it wasn't until I did finally hit rock bottom when I had ruined everything, when I had destroyed my marriage, you know, my, my, my family and, and everything was, it, it looked like it was all over. It looked like my life, as I knew it, was done. That was kind of the same, same way that Eric talks about in that jail cell. Like, finally, I was able to look up then. Um, and it, that's, that's, the, that's where I relate with Jonah was it took that much for God to get my attention, you know? It took that far because I'm just that stubborn. Mm. I'm that prideful. I'm that stubborn. I was running so hard and far from God um, that he needed to do that. And so I, I uh, found myself on my knees in our bedroom just at the end uh, of myself and just saying, you know, God, I, I, I'm done. Mm. I just give it to you. Mm. And not really realizing at that moment that that was what God wanted all along was just my surrender to him mm-hmm. you know so so here's what i think is cool about your stories and the story of Jonah and how it ties in we're going to tie it into aa a little bit right not that not that it has to be about alcoholics or anything like that but i think it's interesting that the 12 steps of aa which have been so useful in so many people's lives i know you guys are you guys have been impacted by that as well um, that were what that was all started back in the fifties, maybe nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties. That that it actually the reason I think it has so much power is because we can see some of the biblical principles involved, and we actually can trace those first three steps to what Jonah is doing in the belly of the whale in Jonah chapter two. And so we're gonna in this episode we're gonna talk about Jonah's prayer. And we're going to connect it to um, s- sort of the first few steps out of that rock bottom, whether it's an addiction or whether it's just running from God, whether it's just some other sin issue. Sin issues don't have to be addictions, but but addiction is a good example of a sin issue that people can get stuck in and never have victory over. And the first step that we see uh, in Jonah's story, and I think for you guys too, I want to hear how this connects to your story, is to admit the trouble that you're in, is to be honest about the trouble that you're in. The 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, they say it like this, step number one is we admitted we were powerless over alcohol. Again, it doesn't just have to be over alcohol. And that our lives had become unmanageable. Guys, why is it so important to start off by admitting, being honest about the trouble that you're in? Well, that's because... (laughs) We've, we realized that everything that we tried brought us to the place that we were at. That no, no matter what we tried to do in our own power, it always brought about destruction because we weren't designed to operate without God. We just, we weren't created that way. And so that's what this, this step is really about, is realizing I can't do this on my own. 
I just can't. And there's something freeing about that. When we stop fighting on our own, then suddenly we can start to look to something else. Yeah, and, and realizing in, that we are powerless, like you said, we're powerless by ourselves, we're powerless in our own nature without God, and, and because of that powerlessness we've gotten ourselves into a lot of different unmanageable and chaotic situations. Um, because of our own choices, uh, we've got these, these things that have happened, consequences of our, de- our decisions have brought us to a place of um, uh, where we can't be in denial anymore. We really do have an issue. We really do have a problem. You know, so, so many of us, I guess, in humans in general struggle with pride as kind of the main sin, the main sin since the beginning. Even Satan himself had it. And we have this pride that says, no, you can do this on your own. No, it's not that bad. And then there's these these three words, justification, minimization, and, and rationalization. Hmm. So we justify the things that we do, right? Like, well, well I'm not as bad as so-and-so, hmm. right? Or... Mm-hmm. Um, I do this because I need it, um, or this is the best way for me to cope, or, you know, so we're justifying, we're rationalizing, trying to make up excuses again and minimizing it, saying it's not that bad. And if we would just get out of denial and move into reality, we would see that our decisions and our heart um, has led us away from God and into a place that we don't want to be in. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's how Jonah did it. Let's go back to Jonah chapter 2. Mark, you already read this at the beginning, but verses 2 through 6 say this, Jonah prayed to God. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. I called to you from the land of the dead. I sank beneath the waves. I sank down to the very roots of the mountain. So what I see here in these verses is that Jonah is, I know this is language that AA uses a lot, is he took an inventory he looked around and he he stopped he stopped denying like you said Eric he stopped denying the reality that he found himself in now for whatever reason maybe it's just cuz he was at rock bottom maybe it was because he was panicky he thought he was dead or was about to die and and sometimes this is what it takes it takes getting to this place where you have nowhere to look but up the only thing you can do now is to finally be honest you've run out of excuses and, and now you're going to be honest about your predicament, right? And that's where I think it's interesting that that's step one. You're going to stop trying to manage it on your own because your life is unmanageable. The Bible says, yeah, pride comes before a fall. And if we look at this story, Jonah was a prophet who got to, as we learned last week, to deliver a good message, was used by God as a prophet of God, a guy who got to literally hear from God and to be given this honor to go speak a message. And and then he's looking around now. He'd been thrown into the ocean, okay? He'd been thrown into the ocean by these sailors, uh, and he's looking around, and he's probably thinking, how did I get myself here? You know, you know kind of like your life flashes before your eyes. This is kind of one of those things, you know? You're, you're going back in history, and you're like, man, things were good at, at one point in time. <laughs> I was healthy and, and, you know, life was looking good. And then, man, where did I go wrong? That's part of the inventory. Where did I go wrong? 
And maybe you're listening to this right now and you can think of, you know, life wasn't so bad until a few certain decisions that you made. That's kind of like what's going on with Jonah is I, I realized I went wrong when I had this hate in my heart towards Nineveh and I had this pride in my heart saying, I don't care what God says, I'm going to go my own way. And now, now he's recounting all these decisions that he made and he's looking like, man, my decisions, you know, the Bible's really true. And it says that there's a, you know, there's a way that seems right to man, but, it, but its end leads to death <laughs> and destruction. And I'm headed that way. And he's just, he's admitting it. Okay, I messed up. But here's what's cool about the story. It's not just it's not just that Jonah is admitting the facts of his predicament and his part in it. I think that's important. But if you look a little bit more closely at the text, he he's actually also recognizing God's part in the story. In verse 3, it says, You threw me into the ocean depths, buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. And then I said, Oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence. So it's interesting. You know, part of his prayer is, I did this, I got myself here, here's what's going on, here's um, here's the reality of my situation. To me, that's part A of admitting. Part B of admitting is recognizing God's hand of discipline in it. You threw me in here, God. It's not just me. You, you were disciplining me. You threw me in. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. It's not just mm-hmm. waves, it's mm-hmm. your waves. This is your, you, this is your action. You have driven me from your presence. So he Jonah knew that the storm was a catalyst for God's hand of discipline. And he didn't he didn't what I love about this he wasn't railing against God for it. He was just acknowledging it. He said, "I see that this is your hand of discipline. I recognize that you're treating me like a son." Mm. And and God loves his sons, right? Proverbs 3 talks about this. Don't reject the Lord's discipline. Don't be upset when he corrects you for the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Mark, for you, when you were going through your discipline, you, it was really even before you knew Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now when yeah. you look back on it, how do, you, how do you view what God was doing in your life in the midst of that storm? How do, you, do you view that differently now that you recognize that God was behind it all? Yeah, you know, the, the Bible tells us that, you know, God had plans for us long ago, right? Mm. At the beginning, he, he knew he had plans for us. And, um, and in order to grow us and use us, I mean, we need to, we need to be disciplined. We need to grow in, in our knowledge of him, in our knowledge of who we are to him and um, what our sin nature brings us to. I mean, these these are things that I think it's it's hard today in, in our society. A lot of people don't want to recognize all the attributes of God. Right? There's this idea that God is all loving um, and nothing else, but he's also he's also just and he and he disciplines us because he wants more for us. He's designed us for more. Um, and so yeah, in the midst of my storm, <laughs> I mean. I, I recognized my my own um, responsibility in bringing myself to that place. Um, I don't think I fully comprehended God's discipline in it, but now, like you said, I can look back on it now and see what He was doing. You know, He was He was growing me to use me for what He designed me to do a long time ago, 
And what's what's amazing now is that he actually uses that the discipline and the correction and those things that I've learned. I'm able, you know, he's able to to work through me, and I can speak to other people who have gone through similar things that I have, and who are going through those things. And 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 so it's just this, you know, that's that's a gift that he gives us that um, he loves us that much that he doesn't want to just leave us in a place like that. Yeah, it drives me crazy to think about how parents parent today, and not that parents were always perfect in previous generations, but I feel like we've really gotten away from the idea of disciplining our kids for their own good. You know, my daughter, she's an adult now, and it's funny because she's starting to become more self-aware about her childhood and how we tried to parent her with love and with truth and discipline, And and she marvels. She says, how did you guys get me how did you get me to be obedient? What what kind of Jedi mind trick did you play on me to get me to be obedient? And one of the things we say is we 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 disciplined you. We showed you the right, you know, the Bible says train up a child in the way that he or she should go. In other words, there's a way that our kids should go and we should train them up. That's talking about discipline in part. And so we disciplined our kids from an early age. And so as a result, by God's grace, it's not because discipline doesn't always work like this. Sometimes God disciplines or sometimes parents discipline. And in spite of their discipline and training up their child, in spite of that, kids still make poor choices and kids run away from God and, and all that kind of stuff. So again, I'm not saying it's just because of the discipline that our kids are good kids now in their adult years. But discipline is a huge part of it, and that's how God treats us, too. He loves us enough to discipline us. He says it's actually hatred not to discipline mm-hmm, your kids. Mm-hmm. If you love them, you should discipline them. A lot of parents mistake that, and they say, I'm not going to discipline my kids because I love them. That's not true. The Bible says if you love them, you will discipline them. It's it's actually wrong. It's hatred, essentially. It's it's You're not doing them justice. You're doing them a disservice if you don't discipline them, mm-hmm. because discipline is for our own good. And this is what we see in the story of Jonah. Jonah is at the, he's at he's at rock bottom. He's realizing now, I'm in big trouble. I'm I'm not going to try to put a positive spin on this. I'm in big trouble, and and God's behind this. This is God's discipline in my life. That was step number one: is admitting where he was. And then step number two: we see that Jonah goes to this next place where he affirms, right there in Jonah chapter 2, he affirms who God is. He affirms that God and God alone can save him, can get him out of this predicament. And guys, it reminds me of step number two in the 12 steps, right? Here's how it reads. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Now, I know that you guys run 12-step groups and you run Christian-based 12-step groups. So when a Christian is talking about that, and I know this is what the AA guy, Bill Bill Wilson, he, he was a Christian. He was talking about Jesus. He wasn't just talking about some generic power that's greater than us, that's beyond us, that's outside of us, right? And Jonah knew this too. Here's what Jonah says. He says, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me 
from the jaws of death. So the book of Jonah really reveals that the God of the Bible is the real higher power. If we go back to chapter one again, we saw that the sailors, when they were first in fear, they cried out to their gods. And that really didn't do anything because their gods don't really exist. Their gods are really not gods at all. They're just either make-believe or something evil. And so the story of Jonah is about the glory of God and him revealing himself to humanity, intervening in human history, and specifically into into this man's life to save him, to go save other people. But him... Sending the storm shows that God is in the solution. And now the solution probably at the beginning wasn't what Jonah wanted. And that's what I think we sometimes fail to see is that when God is rescuing us, when it is God who can get get us out of our insanity, oftentimes he'll use methods and means that are uncomfortable to us. And so for Jonah, he's caught in a storm, thrown in the water, and swallowed by a fish, which all reveals that God is sovereign, and he's in this, and he is the one true God who has real power and can actually do something about his problem and our problem. That's what, what's so encouraging about this story is God's sovereignty. But we do have to, as you guys talked about discipline, realize that sometimes in the solution, it won't always be in the way in which we want it to happen. But God in his power, if we allow Him, God to be God, and us, you know, find out and, and realize and recognize who we are, we're right at this step of step two, realizing I can't do this, but he can because he's the powerful and almighty God. Yeah, look at the three things that he affir- that Jonah affirms about God. He said, he answered me, he heard me, and he snatched me from the jaws of death. And I would imagine a lot of people out there, maybe even some people listening today, aren't really sure if God hears them. They're not really sure if God is willing to answer them. They're not really sure if God has the power to snatch them from the jaws of death. And I guess what would you say to people out there who have a picture of God that doesn't align with Jonah's picture of God? You know, Jonah had a turbulent relationship with God, we've we've already Mm -hmm. learned by now. Mm -hmm. But it kind of reminds me of your story, Eric, that you at least knew who God was. So I think there was a fundamental understanding, and your mom loved Jesus Mm -hmm. and and, t- and taught you who God is. And so you you had something to go back to that you knew God's character, God's nature, that God is good, that God listens, that God answers, that God saves, right? Which is what mm-hmm. Jonah knew about God. He understood that about God. Mark, there are some people who don't view God that way. They don't recognize that God is good. They don't recognize that God listens They don't recognize that God has the power to even do something. So they feel kind of lost and alone out there in the world. And some of those people might even be listening right now. What would you Mm. say to those people? Because your story is a little closer to that because you didn't really know the God of Jonah, Mm -hmm. the God of the Bible, when you were at your rock bottom. Yeah, well, so the difficult thing is we... Comprehending God is, is is a difficult thing, right? I mean, and so... A lot of us, we are so focused on 
we're very short-sighted, <laughs> right? We're very short-sighted. We look at this, uh, this temporal life that we have, and we think that if a, a God is good, that he's going to want to give me a good life here. He's going to want to answer every you know, plead and request that I bring to him because I should be living a good life right now if I, if I just ask him for it. But that's, that's a misunderstanding of, of who God is and what is the most important thing. The most important thing to God is to draw us to him, to bring us to him so that we can have that eternity with him. That's his, that's his perspective. He has that eternal perspective that we struggle with sometimes. And he'll do whatever he needs to, whatever he sees is best to draw us in that way. And so sometimes he will use some, some harsh things. He'll use some tragedy. Mm. But I think on the other, if we, if we look on the other end of that, though, he is very, very patient. He is extremely patient with us. How easy would it be for the God of the universe to show up in his glory? And I mean, we would just be, I can't even imagine how it would be if he, if he really fully revealed himself immediately to us. No, he doesn't operate that way. He is patient, just like a loving parent. He wants to do to use whatever he can to draw us to him. And he, in my life, he used, he used my addiction, which was a horrible thing that caused a lot of just death and destruction in my life, um, death to you know relationships and things like that. He used that, though, to draw me to him. And so if you're listening and you think, well, God can't be that good, he can't be that loving if he's letting me go through these things that I'm going through, that's not God's, God's most, his greatest goal is to draw you to him. And he will use whatever he can to do that and whatever he sees best. Yeah, think about it like this. In the Jonah story, it's interesting. As you read Jonah chapter 2, Jonah never mentions the fish in his prayer. So there's there are some commentators who believe that Jonah didn't know he was inside a fish. In fact, he, he mentions Sheol in the prayer in Jonah 2, but he doesn't mention a fish. So... A lot of people think that he thought he was in Sheol. He thought he was in the, the, the Hebrew place of the dead. He, I'm sure when Jonah was thrown overboard, he expected to drown. He's thrown into this raging sea. He's sinking down. I mean, think about it. He's sinking down into the sea, and then everything goes black. He didn't realize the reason it went black is because he's swallowed by a fish. So all he knew is that his situation was hopeless, and he didn't recognize that the fish, until later, he didn't recognize that the fish was God's provision, not God's punishment. It, it turns out, when you kind of zoom out and you think about the story, God being swallowed by a fish was a good thing, not a bad thing, mm-hmm. right? So being in rock bottom for Jonah was a good thing, not a bad thing. That's how God, that was God's method for preserving Jonah's life so he wouldn't drown, which is interesting. It wasn't God's method for punishing Jonah. And, and the, really, the point is this. We're not always aware of God's rescue plan, even when we're right in the middle of it. You know, your guys' story bears that out. You know, Mark, you didn't even really know God 
in the midst of all of your crazy trials that God used all of that, uh, almost losing your marriage over it, God used all that to actually draw you to him. It was it was God's rescue plan for you. Your the crazy trials that and some of the poor decisions in your life, Eric for you, you're you're at rock bottom in the jail cell and that's where you finally look up and you you recognize that that God was there. That God was using that as a as a means of your deliverance, not just as a means of your punishment. Here's what I want to say to first the person who lacks faith or the non-believer is that uh, we we believe in the Christian faith that it does actually in fact take a miraculous event for a person to really even come to faith in the first place. It has to be God intervening at mm-hmm. some in some way shape or form. And I looked up the definition of what a miracle is, because that's really what God, when God intervenes, it's supernatural, right? And when we think about miracles, we think about positive things. We think about good things. Even this definition would even, from Oxford, would say, it says this, it says a surprising and welcome event, but I would say a surprising and sometimes another definition says a highly improbable or extraordinary event that is not explicable by nature or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency. Hmm. And so sometimes miracles are the positive events, but like what you said, we don't always recognize God's hand, his rescue plan. Sometimes it's seemingly dreadful (laughs) and bad, um, but it's being used for good. And I, I would definitely say to the person who is lacks faith right now, would you have the spiritual eyes or discernment to ask the question, hey, is what I'm going through two things? Um, one, obviously we talked about you know getting out of denial and admitting, is, did I cause this myself? And hopefully you say the answer is yes. But number two, does God hand, have a hand in this as well? And is he trying to teach me or pull me or draw me closer to him? Like you were saying, Mark, most people come to faith in Christ through um, trials mm-hmm. and, and terrible times in their life where they have to hit rock bottom first before they will actually get to the point and say, okay, I'm I'm desperate enough to believe in God, to, to uh, put aside my pride in the way that I've always believed or think to to try something new and that is that is what we're talking about when Jonah's finally affirming God although he was a believer and that but for an unbeliever you can do the same thing you can question is this from God or not is is does he want to be my loving father too mm. and i i would just encourage you that if if you feel like there is some kind of discipline of god in your life because you've been making bad decisions and he's trying to pull you back take that as love because as you said earlier brian like the reality of parents loving their children is not letting them do whatever they want and getting away with it and letting them sort out their own life <laughs> and have to go through trial and error themselves it's no i want to teach them because I love them, and God is so much greater of a father than any human parent will ever be. And if you want to experience the, 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 the being adopted by, by God, and he's pulling you through maybe a little bit of discipline or trial, I would say accept that. Take his, his, loving, his loving discipline in his hand for you 
right now and just cry out to him as Jonah is doing in this prayer. Yeah, it's good. All right, so so step one, if we're going to learn from Jonah how to pray at rock bottom, number one, admit the trouble you're in. Number two, affirm that God and God alone can save you. Affirm his qualities, affirm his heart for you, affirm his ability to save you, to rescue you. And then step three, again, we see this from Jonah, step three is to align yourself with God's plan. Now remember, the whole reason Jonah's in this mess, if you remember from last week, is that he was misaligned. He was out of alignment with God. God Mm -hmm. said, I want you to do this. He said, nope, I'm going to do my own thing. So he was misaligned. And he rejected God's calling on his life. He ran in the in the opposite direction. But now we finally see in Jonah chapter 2, verses 7 through 9, we finally see like the pivot. I'm going to call this the pivot in the Jonah story. Jonah prays this, as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies, which is actually not true because the sailors turned to God before Jonah even did. But I think it's interesting he said it like that. And we're going to see, spoiler alert, next week, we're going to see that Nineveh turned Mm. to God. So it's actually not true that those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. Some of them turn to God because that's how God is. God offers it to everybody. Anyway, that's for next week. Okay. But here's, here's what Jonah says. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows. There it is. I will fulfill all my vows. He says, I'm going to finally go your way, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. So here he is in the belly of the fish. Jonah finally vows he's going to try things God's way. He has seen God's salvation. He's seen his own sinfulness, and he finally makes a decision that he's going to go to Nineveh after all. He hasn't gone yet. But that's kind of what repentance is. Repentance is an inward change. It's a heart change. It says, I'm going to go your way from now. He hasn't done anything yet. He's still in the belly of the fish. But he's, this is the real pivot. He's made a choice. He's made a decision. He hasn't had a chance to make good on it yet. The fruit of repentance isn't seen yet till next, the next chapter. But the heart of repentance is finally seen in Jonah. He finally aligns himself with God. That's what exactly you know repentance is is turning from our way and finally going god's way aligning with god i another way it just came to me now i know we came up with these points of three a's you know just yesterday (laughs) that's what we uh preachers do you know speak in 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 preacher language and try to use you know similar letters or letters that are next to each other you know (laughs) in our points but I, i thought of another a word and it's Repentance is also to agree with God that I have sinned, Mm. agree with his word that says that I fall short and only he is holy. And so Jonah here is agreeing with God saying, yep, I did go the wrong way. And yes, I need to to make things right. I, I, I finally need to be obedient and do what you said and align with you. And that is exactly what happens in the Christian's life and in the Christian or the non-Christian who comes to faith and finally becomes a believer. In order to become a believer, it's the you know it's the two-sided coin of repent and believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jonah's already a believer, but we'll deal with the the, the non-believer first. Is if if you want to cry out to God and believe in Him, there's this call on your life to say. Okay, well, 
so yes, the way that I've been living is wrong. So what way does he want me to live? I want to do that. Now it's not works-based. It's not, I go do things. And then he finally accepts me, but it is a heart to say, I want to surrender to you and follow your will and not my own now, which, you know, we'll get into the third step a little bit later. But if that's, that's how a person comes to faith is repent and believe two sides of the same coin is, is your faith is now, um, have an action come out of it. And the first part is have a heart change that says, I'm willing to go your way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is right. That's the third step of AA. Here's how it reads. And again, think about this in Jonah's story. It's kind of cool that this is exactly what Jonah articulates. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And what, you know, I, what I love about that is he, he, it's about making a decision. That's what Jonah finally is going to do. He's going to finally make a decision to align himself with God. He's going to turn, he's going to finally turn toward God. He's going to let, he's going to let God be in charge now. But I, I love how this step articulates it. You're turning your lives over to the care of God. You're not turning your lives over to the justice of God, to the wrath of God, to the punishment of God, to the discipline of God, even though sometimes God disciplines those mm-hmm. he loves. He's, but I love that it's, it's articulating it in, the conte- in really in the context of who God really is, who the God of the Bible really is. Mm-hmm. And that's the point of this whole series. We're, we're talking about the fact that, that God is a God of miracles, but that he loves people that his heart is for people. He's, his heart is not against people. It's for people. People, So many people are sitting at rock bottom, and they have the wrong conception of who God is, that God doesn't care about them, that God doesn't listen, that God doesn't understand, that even if he had the power to save, he doesn't have the will to save because he's not good. And that's a misunderstanding of the God of the Bible. That's a misunderstanding of the God of Jonah. God cares about everyone. If you're listening to this today and you are at rock bottom, you feel like God doesn't care about your situation, that God isn't interested in saving you, you've got the wrong God. Yeah, he does. He does care. He's got, like I said earlier, he has He has a plan for you. Um, and that plan is a lot of times it's not really your own. Um I know for me, I never envisioned doing what I'm doing now. I, I, I certainly never thought I would be a pastor. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, actually, we uh, ran into um, some some old friends from from years ago, and they when they found out I was a pastor, it was just nothing was probably more humorous that they'd ever experienced in their <laughs> lives. But um, this is not something that I ever envisioned for my life. But but he does care, um, and he does have a plan, and. And, and while I, I really didn't necessarily want to do anything like this, I didn't want to be involved in ministry. I didn't want to live my life for other people. I mm. didn't want, you know what I mean? Mm. I, I, I wanted to live a selfish life. Um, but God, thankfully, took that away from me. Um, and he had other plans for me. And there's, I find more joy in what God does with my life than I ever did with my own. And and it's important too in that step. You know, we talk about turning our will and our lives. It's it's everything. It's it's giving it all over to him, and he's he does he does something amazing with it. That that uh, it's a joy that I never could have comprehended before. It reminds me of this other prophet that was, um, 
you know, was a prophet again to Israel, just as Judah was. His name was Isaiah. And Isaiah's calling is so interesting. There's so many elements that overlap with Jonah's story. In Isaiah chapter 6, it says that Isaiah encounters God, and he, and he said, then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed from a sinful man, because he understood God's greatness. Mm-hmm. He understood who God really was. He said, I have filthy lips. I live among a people with filthy lips. I think when we really encounter the God of the Bible, I, our initial reaction is to say, it's over for me. You are so good and holy and great and awesome and above me, and I and everyone around me, we are, we are so worthless. We're such sinners. And that's good. That's admitting, right? Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. you know, Isaiah is admitting just like, just like Jonah was. And he says, yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. And, but I love what it says next in that passage. It says, then one of the seraphim, one of the angels flew to me with a burning coal that he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. And he touched my lips with it. And he said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. So now we see the second step that Isaiah realizes that, that, that God is saved that God's heart is for him, that God has saved him. He he is able to see who God really is, not just this scary, powerful, judgy God, but this God who has forgiven you, who saved you, who's he's removed your guilt, right? And then I love what it says next. It says, then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? And who will go for us? And, jo- and Isaiah, I, I said Jonah because it's so similar to Jonah. Isaiah says, here am I, send me. So now here we see Isaiah aligning himself with God's calling in his mm-hmm. life. He says, I want to go your way. So the, the same lesson that Jonah learned, that Bill Wilson learned in AA, that you guys learned, is a lesson that Isaiah had learned, that we, we can admit that we're powerless. We can admit that our lives are unmanageable. We can affirm that God alone has the power to save, that he's good and wants to forgive. He wants to restore. And then we can align ourselves with his plans. We can stop running away from God like Jonah finally is doing now. And we can say, all right, I want to align with your plans, with your will. And when we do that, I think we'll find, like we are going to find in Jonah's story, that rock bottom doesn't have to be the end of the story. Well, and we can't end this without talking a zeroing in on salvation that's been brought up so many different times about Jonah being saved and Isaiah, you know, his sins being forgiven. You guys, you know, have been talking about that God is a God that wants to care for and love people. Um, and He ultimately did love the whole world, the Bible says, that he sent his one and only son to die for the sins of the whole world, you know, to come into the world that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so God has done already the most loving act in human history that cannot be topped. He sent his son who was God in the flesh, God becoming man, coming down to this earth, to be born like us, to live a sinless life, to die as a sacrifice in our place for the sins that we committed. And and, and it's by our our trust and faith in what Jesus did by dying on the cross and then rising again on the third day that we can be saved and forgiven of our sins, much like Jonah was saved 
in the pit was pointing towards this story of the gospel, which we'll learn about a little bit later in the series. And much like Isaiah saying, his sins can be forgiven. God certainly wants to. He, the, there's a Bible verse that says he desires that all men would come to repentance and knowledge of the truth. And so if you're out there and and you're 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 wondering, like Brian has said, you know, maybe maybe God doesn't want me, or God's just a mean God. No, God is love. God has showed His love in the person of Jesus Christ. But it's up to you and to me to accept that love from God, to accept that free gift of His grace. And so that's the gospel, according to Jonah. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> right. Yeah, and if you want to learn more about that gospel. If you want to learn more about Jonah, if you want to learn more about pursuing the God of the Bible, I encourage you to check out our resources at PursueGod.org. In fact, a great a great place to start is our series called The Pursuit. The Pursuit is a 12-part series that walks through the basics of biblical Christianity, and it will help you to respond to what Eric just shared, the gospel. It'll help you to put your faith in, in the God of the Bible but it'll do so much more. That series will help you to understand what it means to live for God, to align yourself with God, to go God's way. And so we encourage you to take that series with a Christian friend, with a small group, maybe go find a good, solid, biblical Christian church in your area and go through a series like that at PursueGod.org forward slash go. Or if you want to use this series, if you want to talk more about today's lesson, which was lesson two in our Jonah series, you can find it at PursueGod.org forward slash Jonah. And don't forget to join us next Friday because we're going to jump into Jonah chapter three and we're going to see what happened when Jonah went to Nineveh. Join us then.